Hello, everyone. Thanks, Elenia, for introducing us. So, yes, I'm Marcus Fares from Design, which is an online architecture and design magazine. And I think that movie name-checked everyone who was involved in this entire project, probably. But I, I'm fortunate enough to be on the stage here with two of the key people that made this happen, uh, Renzo Piano, the architect, and Andreas Strakopoulos, the co-president of the Stavros Niakos Foundation, which funded this entire project. And this event, as you know, is part of the Metamorphosis series of events, which is for the first time allowing everyone to get a feel of what this building, which I imagine has been a kind of mysterious construction site on, in downtown Athens for a long time, to come in and actually get to, to know it. Um, for the benefit of the foreigners here, could you both explain a little bit about who you are? Andreas, who, what is the foundation and what do you, what do, you do? So thank you. The foundation, we're an, an international philanthropic organization. We have been uh, active for about, for exactly like 20 years. Uh, we have been active in about 111 countries. We've given out about a bit less than two, two billion uh, in these 20 years. We are very active in Greece which was the, the wish also of my late uncle Stavros Nyakos, who is the founder. And we have been even more active in Greece given the whole crisis. And, uh, and we, try, we try to complement. We, we never try to replace the state. We try to help, we try to complement. And I think our main mission is to, whenever there's a project, a proposal, our obligation is to see if it adds value to society, and if the people involved are actually professional, efficient, and effective, our issue becomes, why should we say no? So it's like, we, so we, we try to help. This is our, our job. And the SNFCC Cultural Center, in theory, was just another grant. It just happened to be much bigger, much more complicated. It took quite a few years, but here we are. Thank you. And Renzo, if you could just explain, maybe for the people here who don't know about um, the world of architecture. Tell us a little bit about the work that you've done and, and your background. <laughs> uh, we have been the architect, not just us. Uh, you know, architecture is a funny profession. I've never been able myself to separate architecture from engineering, from landscaping, from construction. I'm myself son of a builder, a small builder. So I grew up with this idea. Architecture is about making building, making shelter for human beings and community. And this is what this building is. So, yes, I'm the architect. Uh, we are the architect. But uh, I was pleased to see this video because this building was made by thousands of people, thousands, thousands of people. And and basically, it was designed not by an architect, followed by a, an engineer, followed by a builder. It was done more in the spirit of collecting everything. Energy, view, spirit, the sea, the function, the idea to make a civic center for human life. So this was the, the and I have to say that, of course, it was so depending on our friendship and, uh, and uh, complicity with uh, Andreas and the foundation. Complicity is not a bad word. 
and, and it was about complicity. And also another thing I have to say, because it's, I have to say this, this is a story of excellence. And the, the excellence started with this man and with the foundation because they set up a very ambitious plan. Then it went on, because excellence is contagious. Once you start, it goes through. So it was touching everything. It was touching us. We were obliged to be good. Engineers got to be, to be good. Builders got to be good, and they have been good. So everybody's been good because of this idea. Excellence is contagious. And this, so this was my role. Very confused, maybe, not that much, because we drew every piece of the building. We drew every single joint. But in the same time, it was kind of, I, this is what I guess is called humanism. It's to be part of the, of the story entirely, not just making the, con the construction, but also inspiring and being inspired by the society. Andreas, let's go back to the start of this accident then. Like, um, how did the whole genesis for the project came about? How did you get involved with building an opera house and a, and a national library and a huge park in Athens? The actual beauty of the whole thing is that I don't even remember the exact details, which is part of the whole beauty. We, we were thinking about doing you know, a major project, and these were the years before the crisis. These were the years after the Olympic Games, when Greece was flying high. So we were thinking of trying to do something bigger. We thought that the environment was ready for something bigger. We were thinking about the library. Then people from the opera area uh, were also looking to do you know, a new home for the opera. And it, just all, it, it all, I mean, all the pieces fell together. Uh, this property was part of the, of the properties used for the Olympic Games. And uh, it wasn't designated to do anything which is part of the whole problem, but that's for another press conference. It's all for this one. Uh, so it all fell together, and, uh, and we started. And I think the beauty of what Renzo was talking about, I believe that beauty and excellence are based on simplicity. And the, and the, and the simplicity is best described of the, uh, the way that Renzo designed this project in one minute, in an, you know, on a napkin. And the, and the beauty is that you have today exactly that building. And even the first movie we made, the first doc documentary about how it would look, it came exactly that way. So it sounds, you say, well, fine, it came the way you thought about it. But it's, it's excellence, it's, and it's amazing collaborations. And I think the collaborations have, have taken place in every aspect of this project. With the architect and the client, all the subcontractors, the joint venture, uh, everybody, every from, from the top uh, all the way down to every subcontractor, every, every local contractor. Uh, it shows that proper, proper collaborations can bring excellence. And also the collaborations between ourselves and the different governments, because there have been, I think, about five or six governments during that period. And the representatives of all the ministries, because we have a lot, of a lot of ministries involved through the library, the opera, and the overall uh, SNFCC. People, I think, once they realized what's the mission of this project, which goes back to Renzo's dream, it's a part of the community to bring the community together, to embrace, 
with no other agendas. I think everybody has given their best. And I think the excellence has come out. And you said that Renzo designed it in one minute on a napkin. In 10 seconds, actually. 10 yeah. seconds. <laughs> and um, the foundation had a private competition, didn't you? And you invited architects yeah. to, to present. So, so ha when did this napkin moment happen? Was that when during the interview, Renzo? You don't use the word in interview, I thought, when you talk about I, okay. I did napkins. It's pure mythology. I, I, <laughs> I I, nobody can design a building on the napkins. But I, have the, I have the copy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Maybe, yes, maybe. I keep it, drawing the napkins. So, you know, sometimes it may happen. But no, the truth is that everything started in a very, very simple way, you know, because it, it's even a bit childish if you think about it. You have to make it two buildings, basically, two big institutions. Big. A library, and a public library, and a state library, and an opera house together with concert or ballet and all that. Those are two big buildings. One is about 40,000 square meters, the other one is about 35,000 square meters, something like that. And you have a piece of land, a beautiful piece of land, uh, in the in area that is great, not far from the sea, unfortunately separated from the sea. Is actually 20 hectares. The land is 20 hectares. But if you make two buildings like that, you have enough space left for the park. And the park was the other thing we wanted to do. The park, the park, the park was an essential park. So the brief was make a park for the city and make two buildings. So the idea was very simple. Instead of making the building on the park, why you don't make the building under the park? I mean, the park goes up, and this is what we have done. Here we are 30 meters above ground, and the park comes up to this point from there, that is 500 meters away. So the slope comes up, the park is there, and the building are underneath. But they are not underneath, in reality, because they are in the, in, in the full light. They are on the ground. So this is the idea. And this is something you can draw in an afternoon, of course, in 10 seconds. But it's a very simple idea. But I think, to, just, just to add on the park thing, that from, from the beginning, we used to call it internally, before we even thought about the name, we called it the triple project. Everybody said, why triple? You have the library, you have, you have the opera. And from the beginning, we were very focused on that, that the park was as essential as the other two buildings. And it was like this whole bringing it together. So what was it about Renzo's proposal that stood out compared to the others then? What is the movie? You had me and on the first hello, something like that. <laughs> That's it. We met at the Morgan uh, Library in New York. It was in New York. For, for lunch. And we just, I, th I think we knew we could, we, we could work together. We still went through the whole through the whole process. Uh, the food wasn't very good. I don't even remember the food. But the good thing was that I think that the Renzo from the beginning understood and appreciated the location and what we were trying to do. And his mission was exactly the same as ours. And I think his main thing, was, which we fully respect, is that he immediately thinks about the end result and who's going to be using it. So the real owners is the community is the state, are the people. So from the beginning, it was how can we make this as best 
as possible for the end users, for the people to come, to embrace, to enjoy, instead of just being, let's build a beautiful building. I mean, it was a beautiful building, but the, the idea behind it was to make it such that it will embrace the people. Renzo, I think there's a, talking about accidents, there's a funny story that you had actually visited the site before by accident. Yeah, uh, you know, what I really do in life, I go sailing. And sailing is my passion. I'm sorry, no, I do something else. But every time I am free, I go sailing. So about 10 years ago, I went sailing with my family to this harbor. A friend was waiting for us. But the taxi got, uh, it was a too fast, so it was stopped by police. Right there, right there. So he got to pay a fine. And I spent 15 minutes visiting the site. It was not a site. It was what was left from hippodrome. But it was a site. So I always look at sites myself. When I have 10 minutes, I look around. And, and I found it funny that it's so precious piece of land so close to the city, but abandoned, left. And then about maybe two or three years later, we met at the Morgan Service. It was funny, almost a predestination. But anyway, it was clear for me that, of course, I came back and everything started. But it was clear for me that what, this was a clear example of many things happening in many cities. You have some place that are actually in the city, but they are peripheral. They are marginal, they are left over. And uh, this is extremely important to fill those black holes by making civic buildings because they become kind of fecundating fertilizer. So this was a funny accident, but it's just a pure case. And for both of you, I mean, of course, in, the, in Western civilization, in architecture, Athens is a really special place. And Renzo, you've built a you built a hill with a building on top that has columns. It's kind of, it, I don't know whether it's conscious or unconscious, but it references the Acropolis in some ways. Was that, was that, is that deliberate? Is there, a, is there a pressure as an architect to build in this super important place? It's totally unconscious. But what is conscious that in Athens, it's enough to come up about 30 meters above ground and you discover everything. In, uh, here we are on 32 meters above ground, 32 meters. In uh, no city at 32 meters you discover everything, but in Athens you can. You come up and then you look there, and of course you see the Acropolis, of course, inevitably. And of course the reference is like is like homage, of course, but is also discovering a city that is actually quite interesting when you look at that. It's a kind of organic, and then you look there and you see the sea. So this idea of coming up, taking a level. By the way, typically in architecture, everything comes together. This was one reason. Another reason is that we got to make an opera. And making an opera, you need height. <laughs> so you need anyway, space. You need space. So there are so many things. But the reference to the Acropolis, of course, is totally unconscious. Uh, in, in, in it's, it's not. You know, Acropolis is something that is part of the history. What is not unconscious is the fact that this city and this country is the origin of the culture, of our culture. And uh, the idea, by example, of the, of the Agora, 
well, I love the idea of Piazza, I'm Italian, Piazza, but the Agora is even more interesting. The Agora is the place where you actually manage the public interest and it's also a place where you meet other people. The Agora is the, is the icon of a place where differences disappear, where tolerance starts, where even fear goes away sometimes, you know, because you feel part of a community, you share value, you stay together, you build, um, you build in, in, say, conviviality, staying together. So the, the Agora was certainly very well built in our mind from the beginning, and the park, and the park. And of course, that's the reason why immediately we associated to this job, landscape architect, Debbie, Andy, they are here. And it's, it's impossible to make something like that without this combination of talents. And from the beginning, how many times we talk with you and with everybody uh, about the park, what kind of park, Mediterranean park, with the smell. If you go to the park, take your time, you feel you have the scent of the Mediterranean. And you know, and this, this, look at that, the Mediterranean. I mean, Mediterranean is not, is not just a sea. It's, it's, it's like a recording machine that has been recording for thousands and thousands of years, everything. Sounds, voices, uh, perfumes, and light, vibrations. It stories, tragedy, and pleasure, and joy, exploration, discovery, everything is there. And this is part of the story. All this feeder in some way. It's a, very, it's a very complicated thing to make a building because of course you have to be yourself, you have to represent contemporaneity, but you have to absorb those things. And you have to absorb, in this case, the poetry of the Mediterranean that is our DNA. And there's a beautiful quote from you um, that I read, the building should breathe at the rhythm of the land. When you were talking yeah, about this project. yeah, yeah, and the sea, and the sea, and the breeze, and the breeze. It's not just by pure accident if the capital, the sun capital above our head there is creating the shadow. And of course, you know, in Athens, you need the shadow, you need shadow. It, you feel protected, but also that sun capture, captured energy from the sun. And this is another part of the story, energy, and not small energy, more than two megawatts. That is immense, is what we need to run the building fundamentally. So this idea that energy, sun, solarity, and modernity, contemporaneity, all, they all come together and they fuse together. But with this sense of light, you are here in the place that is actually witnessing this. I mean, you stay there and you see through and you see Athens. And this, this sense of transparency, this sense of buoying, floating is part of the... Uh, so it's unconscious and conscious. It's a piece of history. It's technology, it's construction, management. When you have more than 1,000 people working in the same place, you, believe me, you have to know. That's why it's a teamwork. This is why it's a teamwork. And Andreas, um, Renzo has talked 
spoken very eloquently about the poetry and the beauty of the project, but what about the, the reality? I mean, from someone from the UK, the idea that a private foundation would spend almost 600 million euros on something that normally the state itself would pay for, or maybe the state would commission. Talk about that, that side of things. It's particularly in Athens, where you have the legacy of the Olympics of buildings that you can see from here that are not in use anymore. I mean, that's part of the whole, you know, we talk about public-private partnerships uh, all over the world, but how many are really done? There are very few. So I think that was an, almost an opportunity uh, in Greece. That's why I said at the beginning, everything fell into place from the beginning. And it, it made sense. I mean, it was a location that nobody used. It didn't, some people said it, it came to us. We, we never owned the location. The location was still, the real estate belongs to the state. It just gave us access so we could build that. And then we gave it back to the state. And I think it's a, it's a wonderful uh, example of real public-private partnership. And, uh, and it worked beautifully. And you're handing it back to the states, or you will hand it back to the states um, at some point soon. And how will that work then? Will you just leave them to get on with it, or will you keep an eye so on it? So that's been a very, a very sensitive uh, issue. And we have been very straightforward from, from the beginning. And there is a philosophical and there's a practical issue. The philosophical is that we're talking about the home of the National Library of Greece and the National Opera House, talking about two pillars of any state, especially Greece. We're talking about an area which I, don't, I really do not believe that private hands should be in it. I think it should be governed by the state for the people. So it's a matter of philosophy, and I really believe in that. And number two, we know nothing about it. I mean, the foundation knows nothing about it. We've learned some during the process, but we know nothing about libraries or opera. So the people who know how to run it should run it. So you have the, the budgets of the library, the budgets of the opera, which uh, they are moving their home into here. So in a way, they're just changing homes. And then you have the, 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 the issue of the umbrella company that runs this whole area. And we have said since day one, if, if, if the state runs it properly, and we're not saying that in a patronizing way, we say that as Greeks. I mean, we stop being the foundation of being Greeks. And we say, if you run it properly, you know, uh, stay open, leave it uh, free for the people, and, you know, and, and all these things, we will be there to help. In good faith, we, we will help. We can help us cover part of the budget. We can help in terms of programs. So we are there in good faith to continue the collaboration, but we will do it independently. In other words, if this was built by somebody else, and they came to us and said, you know, this is the new home of the two pillars of our culture. Can you help us? We would look at it. So we're going to look at it in the same thing as any other grant. So we are in, in good faith. We would like to help. But as we do with every grant, and we don't do it in a patronizing way, we do it as part of our own mission. We give money. We don't want to hear thank you, but we want to make sure that the grant goes is, is managed properly. So we use the same self-discipline, but we are here, and we are going to help, but we're not going to own it. We're not going to run it. And that was why consciously we said we don't want any official involvement once we give it to the state, which should be before the year end, for sure, fully, uh, we're out. We're still Greeks, we're still a foundation, we'll still be there to help, but people have to uh, assume their own obligations and, and responsibilities, including society itself. 
you know, the end owner, people say you give it to the state. And I keep saying we give it to the people. The state is just, a, it's just basically the state should service the people. So we're giving it to the people. So the state should do its obligation and run it properly. And the people should show that they respect it and they embrace it and they come and they want to be here. And if all that works, we'll be here to help also. And the building was commissioned before the, the crisis hit Greece. Did that change the reality of the project? Did it make it more important? Did it mean you had to... That was another very sensitive uh, subject. And it's interesting because it came to the point where even ourselves, we were wondering, should we be doing that you know, when the crisis starts? And we ended up saying yes because we, we do believe that this is excellence and excellence ne never hurts. I mean, uh, look at all the projects, all the buildings that were built during the Great Depression in the US. They're still around and people love them. So we, th we thought that excellence, and we could afford it, so it was not affecting our own uh, ability. And we thought that this is actually very important to give hope to the people, to give hope that Greece can still deliver. I mean, if you look at, at this project, we have nothing to be jealous of from any other place in, you know, in, in the whole world. It really is an excellent project. And, uh, and what, what it made us do, which was interesting, on a complementary basis, we said, yes, but look at the crisis. So we're not going to stop this, but it made us focus a lot more on the crisis. And that's why that ended up, actually, it's because of the SNFCC that we decided to go on with it, that we decided to give 300 million euros extra through our initiatives uh, for the relief of the crisis and for the youth. So we added on our grant making 300 million because of the SNFCC. So society got another 300 million because we decided to go on with this, because this is more like hope. The other one was much more you know, a matter of, of relief. And we hope that as the, as the situation Im improves, which given to what your competitors did overnight, we'll see. Uh, I hope that, you know, uh, as things get better, people will also try to enjoy that more. Well, people from London might be giving you a phone call before too long. Renzo, there's a, there's a, there's a story in the book that um, you had for a while in your office, your design office. There was a picture of a girl, a woman in a gold bikini, and that was the kind of inspiration <laughs> for the inside of the opera house, and that the balconies were originally going to be gold, but it was felt that maybe that was uh, yeah, a bit yeah, bling yeah. for a time of crisis. Is that true? Because I noticed they're red now. Of course, true. I don't know who put them in the book, but anyway, uh, it's, uh, well, when you are working on searching beauty, you use everything possible. <laughs> <laughs> Even a girl in bikini. And, oh, I remember it was a joke, of course. It was uh, working on the opera house, trying to find the inspiration for the curves of the opera house. Uh, it's a kind of joke, but uh, it's true that when, when you work, of course, it, it's not so essential, but uh, you try to find everything, especially when you work on an opera, you have to look about tradition, and you have to look about so many things, material, acoustics. Designing a space for sound, the music is a very scientific work. It's about sound, acoustics. Everything comes together. But that, 
You give me the occasion to talk about something that is important, is beauty. Let's talk about beauty. <coughs> Not the beauty of that girl, but the beauty in a, in a concept. You know, you were talking with Andreas about uh, economy and the difficult moment. Well, in the difficult moment, you need, you need hope. You need hope. And of course, I don't want to be romantic. I don't want to appear romantic, but this is something that you need, like a fresh air. You need hope like the air you breathe. And beauty, when you are in, in this country, in Greece, in Athens, beauty is a special concept. It's not about cosmetics beauty here. Beauty, in Greek, kalos kagatsos, is about something else. It's about deep beauty. It's about beauty of what you see and beauty of what you are. Beautiful and good come together. And basically, what is this, this building? Not building, this institution. What is this? Is this beauty? It's about library. A library is about knowing, education. Education means knowing, understanding. That's beauty. That's part of beauty. Beauty is the agora. is the place where you meet people. You share value with other people. Beauty is the garden, is nature. Is the breeze, is the view. Beauty, of course, is music. Yes, beauty is music. Sublime beauty, music, is probably one of the most sublime beauty you can think about. And that beauty, that beauty, is something that everybody needs, especially in a difficult moment. That beauty may save the world. I'm pretty, I don't want to be too romantic, but this beauty can save the world. One person by time, of course, not all together, but can say. And this is the reason why cities need such kind of institution, because those institutions are about this, about hope, it's about beauty in that sense. It's about feeding people for ages, for, for thousand years. Everything is done there. <coughs> and this is highly important. And if this may happen in a moment of crisis, what then? Congratulations to them. And besides the beauty, talk a little bit about the function of the spaces, because, for example, a library in the 21st century is a, needs to be a different space to a library in the, the last century. We have the internet. We have modern preservation techniques. Talk about how did you approach the design of the library? Well, of course, you never work alone. We work on this with many, many consultants from British Library to many other people. We've been ourselves making library. I mean, long time ago, about 40 years ago, with Richard Rogers, we made the Saint Pompidou in Paris, the Bobur. Bobur is half of Bobur is a library. And when we started, the library was made of storage and reading room, separated. And then finally, and I'm talking about 75, 76, so a long time ago. And finally, the, the library became something else, open, accessible. And you know, in the meantime, I've been designing other libraries, including Morgan Library, but Morgan Library is a special thing, it's about rare books. But a library today is completely different. Of course, this is a state library as well. So a state library need, by law, by rules, need all the books. 
So you have a big storage, you have a million of books. But also today, library are connected. This room, you know how we call this room? The reading room. And this will be also part of the game. The idea that a library today in Athens is connected with the British Library, is connected to the New York Library, is connected to the rest of the world. And that doesn't mean that you don't need books. Thanks God you need books. And if you go down and you visit, not now altogether, but if you visit the library, you will see we have a place for million books. The books are there. Actually, I want to remind everybody, bibliotech come from this country. Bibliotech, the box of the books. <laughs> so this is what this country is. This country gave origin to all this, our culture. So, of course, we need a book, and we have the book. But at the same time, we have something else. We have the art of connecting this library to the rest of the world. And this why this is not just a, a, a room in, the, in a 30 meter above ground. It's a metaphor of a, something that is connecting with the rest of the world. So I'm, I'm not sure the answer is good enough. Yeah, and, and also, I mean, this library is going to be both research and, and circulating. So that's part of the answer of all the, of the libraries, I think, around the world that are trying to find ways to embrace the people. They're not just this old, boring re research place. It's circulating, and that's why it goes well with the whole concept of the Agora, where people get together. And you can have a lot of functions there, and you have all the in infrastructure for the digital way of libraries today. So it remains flexible to follow what, what comes for the whole industry. And Andreas, in terms of um, uh, the, the quality of facilities here, the library and the opera house and the park, I mean, how do they, are they, are they among the most kind of modern in the world? Are they, do they put, make Greek, Greece, make Athens one of the leading centers for those kind of I think cultures? they should, but again, it's more about the beauty and more about how they all come together as a real cultural center. I think we've used the best, the best materials. So, I mean, this, this is among, I think, the best in the world in terms of physical infrastructure. But I think there's, there's much more to that, how they all get together, how they all get together under the park, how they all connected with the, uh, with the Agora and the common denominator being the community to embrace it and the people to come and enjoy it and basically cross-connect between music and books and basically music and basically enjoying the park. So it becomes a microcosm on its own. But I think the big secret is, I think that there are two levels for its success. The one is to succeed on its own as an entity, so people to come to embrace it. And then for the state or the society to embrace it within the whole, within the whole country. So there's, there's a lot of work to be done. It's an enjoyable part of the work, but I think there's a lot to, to happen for this to really fulfill its, its full, its real full potential. And final question for me, for both of you, before we hand over to the audience for questions. What does this mean for Athens? How will the city change? I mean, we have a situation here where the sea is disconnected from the city by a busy road. And I know that, Renzo, you've done a little bit of work with the city on improving that. It connects the, the district here much better. How, how could this make Athens into a more civilized city beyond this project itself? I think it's, it follows the same what I was saying before. So on its own, I think even on its own, it has already added a lot. 
but again, the whole thing is how you integrate it within the whole. And I'm not saying only physically, it's also the mentality. So do you, you, don't, you don't use it for something, you just, you just respect it and come here and integrate it into how, how it changes your whole mentality. So, and the beauty and the excellence is here, but on its own, it cannot take you to the, to the next level. The next level is, again, for government and for society to respect it, to run it, to use it in the best possible way. So I think it has already done its job by basically completing it. You go back, you look at the opera in Sydney, how that changed the whole, you know, uh, how one saw Sydney after the opera. But I think this has a much bigger potential because of where it is and because also of what, how Renzo was describing being done during the crisis through the hope it gives and of course through the physical beauty and the physical in infrastructure. So we're very happy uh, and we thank both Renzo and the joint venture that they've done an excellent job. And Renzo, what about, um, I mean the, the area here used to be known for its beautiful views of the Mediterranean. Do you, do you hope that this this beauty could continue and return the coastline here to a, a better state? Is there yes, if you don't believe that, you stop working as an architect. You don't even try. I mean, this is exactly what you, what you do. I mean, of course, thanks God, cities are like living organisms. Then they, they do transform. They do transformation. In long time, long time. Architecture is about long time. Architecture relies on long time like rivers do, like sea, like the mountain, it's like cities. And this, this transformation are, I should say, homeopathic, you know, unfortunately, you cannot do this. Top, top, you don't. So this, if this is well done, I think it will come a better connection. We have already pedestrian connection. Public transportation must come here, of course. We are working on that, I'm working on that and uh, this must happen, you know, it's a question of process. I think doing well, something like this, doing well, doing in generous way, because this is generous, there is no other reason than this to be generous and to creating green space like, like this, creating a place for people. Uh, I think this will, will start a process of transformation. So, uh, of course, if you give me a magic uh, stick. I will mean that we take away this uh, highway and I will do funny things like that, but I can't. But what you can, you can do something right. And then, because the city transform, then it becomes a process. Thank you very much. Now it's time to see if the audience has any questions. We have a roving microphone, and if there's any questions in Greek, we have Elena here to translate. Do we have a question? <coughs> Over there. Thank you very much. Should I say my name as well? Is, yes. Is that the format? Okay, I work for Agence France Press. My name is John Hadoulis. And um, I have to ask a rather negative question, I'm afraid, because uh, Mr. Drakopoulos and Mr. Renzi, you are delivering this labor of love to the Greek state at a time of real neglect around town. And you know it, we've seen it. We have a number of examples of very prominent museums that are currently closed. We have a number of examples of the state unable to stop vandalism around town. 
So you touched upon it a little bit earlier, but I mean, how concerned are you that giving this back to the state, first of all, it might not be closed for several amount of years, and then once it's running, it will not really be up to the image, the vision you have, because of the chronic shortcomings of what we have in this country as a state uh, function. Thank you. Okay. I, I think it also depends if you see the, the glass half full or half empty. As I said at the beginning, uh, we, d we never try to replace the state. We try to complement. And I've learned in life you never underestimate, but you should never also overestimate. So some people are overestimating us in terms of why don't you take it and run it? Who are we? We are a foundation, a private foundation. We don't do this. And I think it's the obligation of the state to do it. I do believe that the state will do it. But again, it's all up to every single one of you to embrace it and to do your part, whether you're a member of the opera, whether you're a member of the library. I mean, this is the home of the National Library of Greece, the National Opera House. If you can't run those things as a state, as a country, let's lock up everything and jump into the Mediterranean. But so we have, we have to believe in ourselves also, but we also have to raise, you know, I mean, uh, assume our own responsibilities, all of us. Not just expect a foundation to pay. And as you all know, it's not only a matter of money. Look at all the ESPA projects from Europe for the last 30 years. We are the only country that has actually absorbed less than anybody else. We couldn't, I mean, if we give you money, Nobody knows what, you know, so there's a lot of work to be done, both structurally and mentality-wise. So I throw the question back to each one of you. What are you going to do about it? That's my answer. And, uh, excuse me, I, I didn't catch your name, but do you have an answer to his question, to Andres' question? <laughs> what are you going to do about it? It's okay, you don't have to answer. <laughs> do we have another, another question? <laughs> Another question? Yes, at the front here. Yeah, there's a microphone coming over next. Oh, hello, I'm with Artnet News. Um, so in conjunction with the completion of the, the center here, we obviously have these wonderful events that are running the, these few nights, and there's the wonderful art exhibition. And I was just wondering, moving forward, if the state will continue to do art projects and cultural activities, or if that's something the foundation will step in and help run, or what's the plan with that? Okay, so the question is, it's a bit of a technicality, but we are now in the process of taking full ownership from the joint venture, which hopefully will happen before the end of the summer. So until then, the joint venture owns basically the whole project, then we will own it, then we're going to turn around as per the contract and transfer it fully to the state. So in this transition time, what, what we're doing now, and that's I think where the name comes also, the metamorphosis. So it's going to be an ongoing transition, hopefully to the good. So for example, this e exhibition of Tetsis, which we're doing with Mrs. Lambraki Plaka, is we're, we're trying to share with you what could be done in this project. You have art, you have music, you have everything. So we're just giving, like, it's like a pilot program. And the, so the state will be eventually responsible for 
uh, organizing and running all these programs. And if the state does it properly, we go back to the whole spirit of collaboration, we would help as a foundation to fund programs, to help, but we're not going to run it. And I've heard some basic criticism that you know, we are, we are taking over the culture of, of Greece. We are not. Even if you gave it to us, we don't know what to do with it. So we're going to help, we're going to do projects, and these are examples of what could happen. And we might do more, I mean, for, for example, the Texas exhibition is open to the public until July 31st. So even though the, the, the park will be closed and the library and the opera will not open until fully transition to the state, the, on, the, on, the, on the west side, uh, the athletic uh, uh, infrastructure is there and, and available uh, from, from six in the morning to midnight during, during summertime. Uh, in the Agora, internally, it's open, uh, open access throughout for both the Spiros Lewis Cup and for the, and for the Texas exhibition. And we'll see what else we can do. I mean, once we take over the, the park, we'll maybe do, we may be doing uh, more programming. But eventually, the state, the Minister of Culture, the state will have to take over and hopefully we'll work together. We've had a very good collaboration with every government. And that's, that's the beauty. It's not about a government from the left, a government from the right. It's a government of the people. It's, it's for something which should stay non-political. And if it's done right, we're here to help. And I hope others are here to help also. That's my answer. Question at the back. The microphone's on its way. My name is Telios Takejis. I work for Hellenic Public Radio, Cosmos FM in New York. But I do spend a lot of time in Athens, so before I ask my question, as an Athenian, I want to say a big thank you and congratulations on this amazing, really amazing structure. A thank you is not enough, but that's all I know what to say. Uh, my question is, has there been any study, uh, to Mr. Dracopoulos, I guess, uh, as to how much, roughly, if there is any study or a budget, how much it will uh, cost annually to run this whole Yes, there, there, I mean, there's, there's a full comprehensive budget. We have shared every single thing we know. We have shared it with the, with the Ministry of, of Finance, because they're going to be the new owners. So they know all the details. And one has to understand there's a big gamma on you know, the budget can be smaller, bigger, depending on the programming, depending on, uh, on, on, on how extensively you want to run, how many hours you have to, to have it open. So the numbers are, again, they're a bit all over the place, but we have shared everything with the Ministry of Finance. And uh, one should understand that you would expect the state to, to provide more funding during good times, and you, know, you can't expect the full funding during, during, during bad times. And as I said, and that's why we are here, we're going to, we're going to contribute to the annual budget. Uh, but we don't have details yet. We haven't, you know, once, we, once we transition to, to the state, we'll sit together and see where, where and how we can, we can help. But the numbers are not that, are not that crazy, and if you, if you take uh, into consideration that the library and the opera, yes, it's going to be more expensive to run it from here, but 
they're basically moving their homes. So it's not as if we are adding uh, a home, uh, but that's for their entities to manage. Uh, so it could be done, and we're here to, to help, and all the numbers are now with the, with the Ministry of, of Finance. Okay. Any more questions? Can we have a microphone? Do we have one? this question already, but I was wondering if you've got specific ex um, expectation dates of opening for the opera and for the library. I think it's sometimes, again, this has to go to the government. So before the end of the year, it's going to go to the government fully. And I think within 2017, they will officially open, but that's more up to the two entities. Uh, they have to move. And we have, been, we have been collaborating both uh, logistically and financially, trying to help the two entities uh, move their new homes. But it's going to take some, some time. But I think the transition can be smooth. And during the transition, uh, it, it, you, know, you can start opening and having di different things. But it's going to take a few months. And do we have one more final question? Do we have time for one more? Yeah, I think there's one. <laughs> For Enzo. <laughs> no, no, no. Give oh, we have two. So let's try and do both of them, shall we? So you, sir, first. Okay, one question for Mr. Piano. Uh, I have read in an interview last year that... Uh, here. Ah, sorry. Yes, I have read in an interview last year that as a child you loved sand castles, constructing uh, sand castles, castles in the sand. Uh, do you see this project as a childish dream come true? Because I can see also the ditch uh, around the project, uh, the buildings, and it seems like a castle in the sand. Do you see it uh, like a dream come true? <laughs> I, I don't understand exactly. Sorry, he he read an interview in which you talked about building a sand castle, like on the, on the beach, yeah. and is, is this a a childish dream of a sandcastle uh, by the sea. No, not really. Sandcastles don't last longer. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's the perfect yeah. answer. <laughs> and we have one more question in here somewhere. Yes, in the white shirt. Mr. Piano. Aris Papadopoulos from National Herald in New York. It's a Greek-American daily newspaper. You once said the challenge today is to find a new language for the architecture. You think you found the new language through this great project? The new, uh, new, new language. language. Did you, yes, do you yeah. think you found a new language with this yeah. building, yeah. new architectural language? Well, this is, I, I'm not sure, of course. I'm not a critic, I'm, and you know, I'm trying to do as well as I can. It's an extremely difficult job being architect. It's so complex. It's a job of art, the frontier with science, society. It's so complex. But one thing is for sure that we need we need to transform the the fragility of earth, the fact that earth is fragile, in something that become more creative. It's not just a need. Of course, it's an imposition. Of course, it's necessity. So 
So of course we have to be wise, we have to be good, we have to make sustainable building. But this must be also become poetically uh, part of the language of our culture. You know, every century has got something teaching, inspiring. Real inspiration comes very often from pure force of necessity. It's a very good, believe me, it's a better source of inspiration. You know, it's independent from fashion, from all those things. It comes from force of necessity uh, or from invention. And this century opened with this new discovery. It was new, unfortunately, but we knew before. But Earth is fragile, so we have to do something. So I hope, yes, to answer your question, yes, I hope this building says something in that sense because we are in the right place. We are in the place of the sun, solarity. We are in the, we are in the space of energy. We are in the space where the, the water, the Mediterranean is part of this. We have breeze. We have a living environment. The building breathes. And I think the sense of the transparency that is a close friend, a close friend of lightness is part of that story. So yes, I'm, I don't know. It's not my job to tell you if this tell something new, but this certainly was in the desire to tell. And by the way, it's not the first time. When we built um, now, what, 10, 12 years ago, the California Academy of Science in, in San Francisco, it was also building that by the way, it was a platinum in the lead system, so it was building that proved that you can make a building with very low energy consumption. And of course, there as well, we tried to transform this need, this necessity, in something that is a language, is a part of the expression. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a process. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. It's up to you to judge, of course.